0: The Daily Beast has published an article called The Craziest Demands of College Students 2016. Here they are in no particular order. I am not making any of these up. Demand number one, abolish English classes that feature white male poets. Yale students were appalled to find out that pre-20th century English poetry was mostly written by pre-20th century English poets. They wondered, how could a class on the great poetry of the West not feature even one song lyric from Kanye? Fifth-year Yale sophomore Cretinus Snowflake said, quote, They want us to read Ode to a Nightingale. I don't even know what an ode is. What am I supposed to do? Learn? Demand number two, implement segregated safe spaces. At the University of Arizona, the Marginalized Students Coalition wants safe spaces for each unique identity group. Blacks, for instance, would get a residence hall all for themselves where there'd be black-only water fountains, black-only bathrooms, and black-only sleeping quarters. Native American students would get their own residence hall to replace the residence hall where they used to wander free, hunting buffalo at will. And women would have their own residence hall where girls could walk around in curlers and mud packs without being seen by the boys. What an amazing new innovation. Many Arizona students say they fully support the right of minority students to have safe safe spaces of their own as long as they don't come out of them and bother good, decent white folk. Demand number three, no more cross-ethnic culture. Students all around the country have been complaining about people recklessly eating food from other cultures. Some students have demanded that only Chinese people be allowed to eat Chinese food, only Mexicans be allowed to eat Mexican food, and only Ethiopians be allowed to eat no food at all until they die pitifully, crying out for just a single morsel, which will be denied them in the name of cultural authenticity. Unfortunately, this plan fell apart when the Mexican food snuck into the American food when no one was watching. Finally, crazy demand number four, and I'm still not making this up microaggression police. Students at Western Washington University are demanding that the administ- administration create a 15 student committee to monitor racist transphobic, cis-sexist, misogynistic, ableist, homophobic, Islamophobic, and otherwise oppressive behavior. For instance, the students want non-Muslim students to stop running away from Muslim students screaming, oh my god, he's wearing a suicide vest. They feel that instead he should scream, thank Allah, he's wearing a paradise transportation unit. Students should also stop referring to African-American students as black and instead refer to them as deliciously chocolatey people I just don't happen to want to sit next to at lunch. Feminists demanded that male students learn that when a woman says no, she means no, and when she says yes, she means no. Unless she's really drunk, then she only means no the next morning when she remembers what she did and feels bad about herself. Violations of these codes would be punishable by death or another year of college, whichever seems worse. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clayton, and this is The Andrew Clayton Show. Uh, well, we have sire. So- <laughs> Creeping <laughs> into the American, we have now solved the problem of why young people support Bernie Sanders. It's because they're cretins, <laughs> the stupidest, the stupidest people in America. Unbelievable, unbelievable. All right, I'm very excited about this show. We have one of my favorite people is coming on, the Noltenator, John Nolte, formerly of Big Hollywood and all the Breitbart sites, really the mainstay of the Breitbart sites, and now he is. Uh, writing for us. He's writing some pieces for The Daily Wire, which is great. And he is really, he is somebody that Breitbart loved, that I love, and he supports Donald Trump. So we're going to have him come on and we're just going to beat the living crap out of (laughs) going. We're not going to do what they do at Fox, where everybody just yells at each other. You can hear me talk anytime. We're going to let him come on and explain himself and tell us why somebody that we respect so much is actually following Trump with, as far as I can tell, with enthusiasm. Normally, this is the point when I would ask you to uh, subscribe so you can watch the show as well as listen to it. But if you've ever seen Nolte, uh, maybe you should wait a day. uh, (laughs) I'm joking. Yesterday, yesterday we even we had Lindsay on, so now we have like beautiful girls on the show, and you're missing it all. You're missing everything, and you can be in the mailbag, which is really important. We actually will stuff you into the mailbag, and then on the show you pop out and you can ask your question. Are we going to do video? Uh, I heard I heard Shapiro talking about video questions. Okay, you can submit. Can you do that on the site? Yeah. Excellent. You can submit video questions, and you will actually be on, and then other people who subscribe can see you, which we'll we'll find out if that's good or not. All right, before we have uh, bring Nolte on, we'll bring him on as quickly as possible, because I really want to hear about this. Let us talk about the aftermath of the week, because now it's basically done. There are people saying... Uh, Hugh Hewitt was saying oh, they should be a delegate revolt, and we should dump Trump at the convention. And and over uh, at National Review, they're saying Mitt Romney should still win. I'd say, I think like it's, it's still running. It's over. I mean, this is over. And there is there is still the opening of uh, the opening with Bernie, which will be interesting. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, you have to see these. These are the two most amazing pieces of video I will show this week, no question about it. This is what you have to now get used to, okay? This is what you have to now get used to if you watch news on television. Here is David Muir, he is the anchorman. This is the anchorman of (laughs) ABC World News Tonight. This is their main anchorman announcing Hillary Clinton's clinching the nomination, which actually wasn't even all that certain that she had, but he's announcing she's clinched the nomination just before her speech. Watch this, this is amazing. Number one. History made. Eight years ago, she lost the nomination to Barack Obama.
1: Eight years later, it's her turn. Hillary Clinton, the first woman to land the nomination for a major party for president. And overnight, we were the only team allowed behind the stage before Secretary Clinton gave her historic speech. Right there, that was the first time she saw the crowd waiting. After our interview, she delivered that speech.
0: Wow, wow, they got to go backstage with Hillary, wow! It's like it's like E.T. with Justin Bieber. And that that's the moment when she actually saw the cheering crowds. And wait, that's not even... It gets worse. Play the second cut.
1: I just want to show you this. This is the crowd that is waiting for you. Oh, my gosh.
2: Look at that. Uh.
1: So this is eight years ago to the day that you conceded. And tonight you will go out there that's right. for a very different reason. That's right.
3: It's almost hard to take in. It really
1: is. Is it sinking in?
3: Oh, this is sinking it in. I can tell you that. It's um, just an overwhelming feeling, David, really. I heard you were editing the speech right up until about 30 seconds ago. That's right, exactly. Do you feel good about it?
1: I do. She tells me she will embrace the history.
0: Oh, she'll embrace the history. I'm so glad. I'm so excited. This is... (laughs) (laughs) Dang <laughs> creeper. the guy—he's like those girl. What do are, what are they call the groupies? He's like the groupies at the rock concert. This is unbelievable. If I ran ABC News, if I ran ABC News and saw that on my airways, I would pick up the phone and I would say, "Muir, it's been great. You're fired." <laughs> you know? I mean, but of course they're not going to do that because they're Disney. They're like you know, they're 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 basically in the tank already for this dishonest, creepy little woman. You know, this is so awful. And It's like that is what we're. Gonna to be dealing with. And that's what Donald Trump is going to be dealing with, too. And the question is, I mean, my question is, a student of human nature, I watch a guy like that, like David Muir, and I think, does he hear himself? Does he know what he's doing? Like, does he know that he sounds like a child, you know, like a a child doing an imitation of a newsman? Does he know that he sounds like a fanboy when he's supposed to be reporting on the presidency on the most powerful person maybe on earth person running for that job does he know that he sounds like you know this and the, and the the other question is do the people know do people know that they're being had you know, when I was a newspaper man, I remember going out to cover a story about a dam that was supposed to be leaking, and I went out into the countryside. It was way out in the middle of nowhere, and I went to like a general store, and it was like there were still guys playing checkers on Cracker Barrels at the store. And I remember coming in and saying, "I'm with the newspaper," and they were like, ha, "A newspaper? What, you know, you're that disgusting, And I was like, "What? You don't trust you know you don't trust the newspapers? You know, I was stunned. I was a kid, you know." And he said, "He said when I look at a newspaper and it says there's a train wreck." I think maybe. (laughs) And I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. They were right. I was wrong. (laughs) That's really the way you should think. So this is basically over. And the only thing left is the drama with Bernie. And this Bernie Sanders is now in the position of a woman with a seducer, right? A woman who is uh, as a guy who just wants to seduce her as long as she holds out you know, she can get stuff from this guy, but the minute she gives in, it's over. He There's nothing else that he wants from her. He doesn't want to be nice to her. He doesn't care about her. He doesn't care about her as a person. He just wants to get into bed with her. Bernie is in the same position. As long as he holds out, he's a powerful guy. He can demand this. He can demand that. The minute he's gone, he's gone. They don't care what he wants. They you know they want him to rewrite the platform. Eh, re- rewrite the platform. Knock yourself out, Bernie. You know? <laughs> like, We don't care. When was the last time you heard uh, uh, the president asked? wait a minute, you're going against the Democrats? platform (laughs) like you're lucky you're lucky they build a platform that you can stand on the only thing he could possibly get out of this is if he convinced them to get elizabeth warren he has moved the party so far to the left here's hillary here's hillary like telling you exactly what she got out of this run for bernie sanders Uh, this is um hillary one
4: can you name one idea that he's put forward that you want to embrace that he has really changed your position on
3: Well, it's not that so much as the passion that he brought to the goals that uh, his campaign set. I share the goals. We had different approaches about how to get there, but we are going to get to universal health care coverage. We are going to raise the national minimum wage. We are going to make college affordable and we are going to crack down on abuses in the financial markets that might uh, harm Main Street again. So his passionate advocacy uh for a litany of important uh, goals for our country uh I think has really ignited a lot of people particularly young people and we share so much more in common than we certainly have at all with Donald Trump so I think it's going to be uh an exciting uh time to you know bring our supporters together to you know make uh, make a commitment to defeating Donald Trump
0: The translation of that is, "You lost, Bernie. Get out." (laughs) Can you name one? It was the silence after she asked the question. All right, let's let's get to John. Uh, You know, uh, we'll we'll hear more about that. Bernie is meeting with Obama, and Obama, I'm sure, will say something nice like, "Get out, Bernie. Get out. (laughs) Stop knocking off." All right, John Nolte uh, came to Hollywood uh, many years ago to become a filmmaker and started a blog called Dirty Harry. Uh, We all discovered him. We all thought he was fantastic attacking Hollywood for its left-wing bias. He was discovered by Breitbart, and Breitbart made him the editor of his first big site, uh, Big Hollywood. Breitbart and I must have spent—I can't remember how many uh, conversations we had where all Breitbart would talk about was how much he loved John Nolte. He considered him, as I consider him, one of the most honest, courageous uh, fighters— for the right and for the Constitution and for America. He is uh, just an amazing, uh, if I had to pick one person who could observe the press at the same insightful level as Andrew Breitbart, it would be John Nolte. And he is a pugilist like uh, Breitbart was, really just a uh, terrific part of this movement, uh, this now shattered uh, limping movement. And he loves Donald Trump. So let's find out why. Bring him on. Is he there? Here he is, the alternator. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm like, oh, good, my friend. Thank you for
1: that kind intro- introduction.
0: Well, I just I did leave out the part that you left me in L.A. You left L.A. and left me here by myself. It's like <laughs> very, very, depressing. All right, all right, so now you're writing for the Daily Wire, which is great. And as you know, you know Ben Shapiro is sitting in the back watching Valkyrie over and over again to try and figure all out right. where the assassination attempt went wrong. So you guys, a kind of on different, different uh, you know, sides of this. I, I'm just assuming that at some point, you know, you fell asleep next to a big space pod or something. You, you But I'm right. You're, you're enthusiastically, you're not holding your nose in supporting Donald. You enthusiastically support him.
1: Yeah, listen, I see all of Trump's flaws. I've written about them. I've tweeted about them. Um, 99% of the people who have attacked me as a sellout have not written a 10th of the criticisms of their candidate as I did of mine. So they're all hypocrites and liars, Um, but I do. But listen, I have one guiding principle when it comes to politics and it's called beating Democrats. That's all that I care about. Um, I'm a yellow dog Republican. So, and I'm not as ideologically concerned about certain things as some conservatives are. And I don't know if you want to get into that, But I watched Trump summarily whip the 16 dwarfs. (laughs) I know that he understands how to work the media. You win by working the media. And I think he's exciting a group of voters uh, that have been completely excluded by both Republicans and Democrats that have, to my great rage, been demeaned by some on our own side, and I'm talking about the working class that have gotten totally screwed by these trade deals. Whether you like them or not, you have to admit there's been a fallout. And I think that he will hit Hillary with everything she should be hit with, and not cower like a little girl, like we saw with McCain, and like we saw with, um, with uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, I think one of the reasons the Republican Party is in trouble is because uh, George W. Bush, who I admire, Refused to fight back in the way that the way that Barack Obama does. I think if he had fought a little more, um, I think we'd be in a lot better shape. But we would have certainly been in better shape in 2006. And this is the thing I've said about Trump since the beginning: he fights like a leftist. He fights like Obama. And when Obama's campaign, through a surrogate, accused Mitt Romney of murder in twenty twelve of outright murder, murdering one of his own employees through cancer, not treating her cancer or something like that. It tells you everything you need to know. We need someone who's going to call Bill Clinton a rapist and Hillary Clinton a rape enabler, not talk about entitlement reform for the two hundredth year. And that's basically why.
0: Okay. Okay. Now here's I'm I'm not gonna, you know, I'm People can listen to me on this show anytime they want. So I'm gonna, I want you to talk. I want, this is not a point of view. We hear a lot here, and I think people should hear it. One of, I'm just gonna, but I am gonna run objections by you, things that people please, say. please, yeah, yeah. Okay, Sorry. so, you know, it, it is true. Watching, when, when Trump goes after the right people, it makes me laugh out loud. I mean, I sit at home when he just offhandedly says, Hillary Clinton's a stiff, I mean, I just, I fall over laughing. I think he's, he's great that way. The. The question is, he is a fighter, but is he fighting for the things that we believe in? And that's the thing, one of the big objections is that essentially he's a leftist, he's just another leftist. Uh, You know, the previous support for abortion, the hints he's in favor of government health care, the idea that he keeps saying to people, oh, I'm going to give you everything you've ever wanted, uh, that the government has this role to play. And in my sense that he's never even read the Constitution, that he actually has no constitutional thoughts. Does it bother you that even though he's fighting and sometimes fighting the right people, he's he's not fighting for the things we believe in?
1: Well, here's the thing. Um, The two most other than Obamacare, the two most fascist authoritarianistic, maybe I just made up a word policies to come out of the government in the last 10 years are McCain-Feingold, which was a direct assault on the First Amendment, the government taking a fascist role of silencing people who wanted to talk about political speech, and Romney care, which is the godmother of Obamacare, where Mitt Romney decided that he was going to force people because they moved to Massachusetts to buy health insurance. So this idea that that he's looking at the government as the solution to everything. Yeah, yeah, I have a problem with it. I had a problem with it with McCain, and I had a problem with with, with Romney, and there's nothing that, that Trump is uh, uh, suggesting that is anywhere near as fascistic as McCain-Feingold and Romney-Care. It, it, no, does he always fight the wrong people? No, but what does the establishment do? What does the Republican establishment do? They always fight their own. Look at the, Look at Never Trump. These folks can fight. They've shown they can fight. They've shown they can fight dirty. But the moment we win the nomination, they wuss out. Hmm. And they don't fight Hillary Clinton. They don't fight the Democrats. They don't fight Barack Obama. At least, no, some, does, does, does uh, Trump always fight the right people? No, but at least he fights the right people. <laughs> and our guys never fight the right people. We roll over for Candy Crowley. We, we, we tell Sarah Palin to shut up when she, when she finally got us ahead head in the polls. But let's not talk about Bill Ayers. Let's not talk about uh, Barack Obama's shady racialist past. So he fights the right people. And is he fighting for the right things? Is he, no, I, I, listen, I wish he didn't see the government as a solution to a lot of things. But look at, what, look at the budget Paul Ryan just passed. Look at, look at the things that Mitt Romney and, and, and John McCain think are the correct uh, their ideas of silencing speech and forcing you to buy, to buy health care. look at, look at the, the neocon perspective. And I used to be a neocon, but I can at least look at the consequences of the last 10, 15 years and change um, that the government can go into the Middle East. We can't Neocons believe neocons don't believe the government can fix anything here. On that, they're correct. But for some reason, they think we can fix everything. <laughs> I right. think we can fix these cultures that are thousands of years old. So the neocons got it right domestically, but they're wrong internationally. Trump's got it right internationally. He's got it wrong domestically. But I think he's better domestically than the neocons are internationally.
0: So, so you sound so, you sound as if you sound as if you're so disgusted with where the Republicans have gone. That if if Trump were simply a bomb, with like in the old movies with a fuse coming out of his head, you'd light Mm -hmm. it basically. I mean, that's you sound you want to blow him up.
1: The Republican establishment needs to be. If Trump, you're right. That yes, yes. That the answer to your question is yes. Trump is the battering ram to destroy the Republican establishment. And is that good enough for me? No. But Trump's good enough for me. The Republican establishment has lost the popular vote. In every presidential election except one since 1988, I do not need Bill Crystal telling me how to win elections <laughs> when he is five out of six. And the only one they won was a reelection of a sitting president. Mm-hmm. So I don't want them telling me how to win elections. <laughs> and then and who are these geniuses? Who are the geniuses that put money behind Jeb Bush? And the right track, wrong Amazing. track number has yeah. been upside down for 10 years. I mean, it's these people are not smart. They do not win presidential elections.
0: Things need to change. So, here's my my major problem with Trump. And I, you know, because I'm I'm very easygoing. I'm not a uh, an ideologue. I, I believe that politics is a matter of like inches. You win it, you take the ball a couple of yards down the field. That's a that's a good day. You know, I've never been a purist. I would have I would have voted for any of the other Republican candidates. Although I really did like Ted Cruz. He was he was like the guy I thought I like too. yeah. I thought you know that was terrific. But but look. If, if Jeb Bush had won, I, I had real problems with Jeb Bush. I had real, uh, incredible problems with Kasich. I'd have, you know, I'd have slept at night. Okay, my problem when I look at Trump is a problem essentially of character. Uh, the And and I keep going back to moments when he has expressed like a, a violent nature, when he has called on people to beat up uh, hecklers, when he has uh, said, oh, you know, the army will do what I tell it to do because I'll be the president, you know, this kind of strong man. Uh, mm-hmm. There's something, I keep calling him a proto-fascist, meaning that I don't think he's a philosophical fascist. I don't think he wants to, you know, dress up in funny army uniforms and, you know, Zig Heil or anything like that. But I think there's something in him that resorts to violence and strongman tactics uh, by nature. and that really disturbs me in an office that used to be held by George Washington. Does that bother you at all?
1: It, it, it bothers me but after I will tell you that a that a huge turning point in my life was when the mainstream media, our garbage media yeah. allowed allowed Barack Obama to get away with accusing Mitt Romney of murder. And all I care about is beating Democrats. That's all that I care about and we need an SOB. No, I don't like it when he does that. I don't think it's, I, I, I don't know what his, I don't know what his thinking is behind it. I wish he didn't do it, uh, but, but we've got to win and we need someone who's willing to do anything, anything within the law. I'm not, I'm not for any, doing anything illegal. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned is this talk about him being a proto-fascist, this talk about him, uh, his authoritarianism, I'll say again, nothing he has proposed realistically goes anywhere near as fascist as McCain-Feingold and Romney Kerr. Nothing he has said, uh, the things that concern you about the violence, has touched Barack Obama's uh, hit back twice as hard. If they bring a knife, you bring a gun. Um, and just look at the, the the violence that's fomented by the media. CNN bringing on the guy that bum-rushed uh, that, 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 that bum Trump. CNN ginning up all the violence and they do in, in, in these neighborhoods. So I'm not saying that excuses Trump But I you know, I'm just not going to get all worried about it until he does something that that, uh, that breaks the law or when he actually does call for you know, you punch that guy right. um, But for right now, this is the world the media's created. This is the world that Obama's created. I also want to talk just very quickly Trump is conservative enough for me uh, Mitt Romney Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, we, we, we like to say that they're conservative, and yet they're willing to flood this company with this country with illegal Democrats until a Republican can never be voted into office, national office again. So they can be conservative on all the right issues, but if they're going to flood the co- country with Democrats, it, it just doesn't matter. Hmm. Trump's going to lower taxes. He's going to he's going to protect the border. He's going to he's going to be very tough on ISIS. He's not going to get us into stupid wars. I was for stupid wars. I totally admit this, but I've grown out of it. And he's going to protect our Second Amendment civil rights. And he gets us. He gets that this war on Christmas drives us crazy. Mm-hmm. He, he fundamentally understands these things. And the last point I make, and I hope I don't sound like a filibuster in here. No. Trump comes from a different culture than a lot of people do. And I'm not talking about you, Drew. Mm-hmm. But what Trump does is called breaking balls. That's his whole thing. Uh-huh. Trump grew up in Queens. Trump has grown up on construction sites. So he's, I know he was born wealthy, but he's not, he's not a dilettante. He's, he knows these people. He understands these people. And when you break balls, and I was a bill collector for 17 years, I know exactly what Trump's doing when he does it. I know exactly what he says when he's saying it. He's just messing with people, he's getting in your head, he's breaking balls. And people in the media and, 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 in, and in the Republican establishment who have no idea what it's like on a construction site, who have no idea how certain men, especially among the working class, how we talk to another, how we talk to one another, how we mess with one another, including our wives, that type of talk, that type of joshing. You know, while the media, these these sort of crybaby metrosexuals in the media, they, they're they fact-checking ball busting. And it's just hilarious to watch, but the rest of us, we get it. Just, he's That's our great.
0: guy. Uh, listen, I, I'm running out of time. I have to ask ask you to answer this as quickly as you can. You want to sure. beat Democrats. Did any of your faith that Trump could, could win, did any of it falter when he made this remark about the judge and all this stuff and he—
1: if you look at the polls, he's still tied in Pennsylvania, he's still tied in Florida. This is a total media—racist would have been Trump saying that Mexicans are, are genetically incapable of being impartial. It is not racist to say that someone who is Mexican and a member of a racist group like La Raza, especially after the media has been telling us for a year that Mexicans hate you, uh, it is not racist to say that this guy's probably biased against me because he's Mexican. It's no different than saying, oh, oh the white cop shot the black guy. It's no, it, it, Compare that to CNN trying to make a white supremacist out of Hispanic George Zimmerman. You know, <laughs> the people understand this. We're out there barbecuing. We're not paying attention. What's going to matter are the conventions and the debates. The rest of it is cable news manufacturing a reality that does not exist.
0: John, I'm so glad I had you on, if only to get to see your uh, beautiful face. And uh, I hope you'll come back. Thank you. I hope we'll come back and we'll talk about it again. Anytime. All right. Thanks a lot, John. John Nolte, one of the greats, just loved the guy, and, and really made his case, I thought, uh, really well. And uh, we should probably have uh, you know uh, Shapiro and him on, and I'll sit between them, and uh, <laughs> just kind of holding them off each other. Really interesting. All right, stuff I like before we go into the Clavenless weekend, the great darkness of the Clavenless weekend. i got to play this for you. This is Morgan Freeman reading Justin Bieber's hit song, a dramatic reading of Justin Bieber's hit song, and then I'll tell you why I'm playing it. This is great. It's from
4: Vanity Fair. My name is Morgan Freeman. I'm going to do a dramatic reading from a very popular songwriter. For all the times that you rain on my parade, and all the clubs you get in using my name, you think you broke my heart? Oh, girl, for goodness sake. You think I'm crying on my own? Well, I ain't. And I didn't want to write a song because I didn't want anyone thinking I still care. I don't. But you still hit my phone up, and baby, I'm moving on. And I think you should be something I don't want to hold back. Maybe you should know that. My mama didn't like you, (laughs) and she likes everyone. (laughs) And I never like to admit that I was wrong. And I've been so caught up in my job, didn't see what was going on. But now I know. All right, a lot
0: of, I, I play a lot of songs from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and people are always saying, oh, it's so old and all this stuff. I, I just wanted you to hear those lyrics <laughs> right that way so you can hear the lyrics that I'm about to play. I'm going to play the whole song. This is one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite set of lyrics, one of my favorite uh, melodies. It's by the great, great Hoagy Carmichael, one of the terrific musicians of American music, and the great Johnny Mercer. It took him a year, took Mercer a year to come up with the lyrics for this piece of uh, Hoagy Carmichael music. It is about, uh, suppo- said to be about Mercer's affair with Judy Garland, his longing for to have Judy Garland back. Listen to these lyrics. Just listen to the, the fact that they're they're not poetry. They're song lyrics, and it's something special. This is a Linda Ronstadt, long forgotten, a kind of cheesy video, but very nice voice, very nice version of the song Skylark.
2: Skylark tell me where my love can be is there a meadow in the mist where someone's
0: of the night is as sad as a gypsy serenading the moon it's not just in bieber but it'll it'll do all right i'm andrew clavin this is the andrew clavin show hold on tight the clavinless weekend begins but we will be back on monday be there